Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Hand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievable stories. And today's story is the absolute epitome of an unbelievable story. This is the very kind of story that that word was even coined for. And here is how it goes. Our story begins with this one particular movie that came out in the year 1985. This movie was called Pulga Sari and this movie was a cheap rip off of another more famous cult classic from Japan, a movie called Godzilla. Pulga Sari was an interesting movie and it became a cult classic in its own right, but not just because of what was in the movie. No. it became a cult classic because of what was behind the movie this is one of those rare movies where the making of the movie was far far more interesting than the movie itself because the making of the movie had all the elements that you need in a classic it had heroes who battled against the odds it had action it had drama it had romance it had violence and most importantly it had an iconic villain with an unbelievable evil master plan this is the story of this particular movie understand the story of pulga sari we need to go several decades before 1985 and we are now in south korea in south korea there was this actress called choi yun hee choi yun hee began acting in 1947 and very soon she became a very popular actress she was not just a popular actress she was also critically very well received she was one of the absolute stars of south korea in 1954 she marries an upcoming director this man's name was shin sang ok the two of them get married now at the time that they got married shin was not a very well known director but soon after the marriage they formed a partnership that proved to be critically and commercially unbelievable they were just on fire they started producing films where shin would direct and choi would act and each film was a bigger hit than the last soon they were the most glamorous the most powerful couple in south korea the 1960s were dominated by these two shin and choi were the golden couple nothing they did went wrong throughout the 1960s shin was also a very prolific director he would produce in that one decade of the 60s 300 films however in the 1970s things took a turn here's what happened the higher you go the harder you fall and in the 1970s two things happened pretty close to each other 
The first was this. Shin had an affair with an actress who was younger than Choi and he had a child out of wedlock. Choi discovers this infidelity. She's heartbroken. And although they got along very, very well, she took the absolutely difficult step of separating from him. Now, the two of them divorced and they went their separate ways, but they were linked still together because of a deep friendship that they shared. Soon after this, Shin suffers a very professional difficulty. As his star had risen, so had Shin's ego. It had inflated. And soon, by the 70s, he thought that he was invincible. That anything he did, he could get away with. Now, what happens is this. In the 70s, he makes a movie where there is a kiss in it. The South Korean censor board takes objection to this kiss. They ask him to remove it. But Shin is defiant. He believes that he doesn't have to listen to some censor board to make his movies. After all, he is the great Shin Sang-ok. And so he leaves it in. What this results in is a revocation of his license. He can no longer make films in South Korea. It's a tremendous blow. He loses everything that he has built because of three seconds of film. When this happens, it's a terrible blow, not just to Shin, but also to Choi, because their finances were still in many ways linked to their production company, Shin Films. And at this point in time, though Choi as a star is fading, she has started an acting school and there are several students in it. And now their futures are going to be jeopardized by the fact that she's lost all this money that was tied in Shin Films. Now, it's around this time in 1978 that Choi Yun-hee gets an offer. The offer is from a producer from Hong Kong. He calls her and tells her that he wants her to direct a movie. She runs this through Shin. She tells Shin that she's got this offer to direct a movie and she's asking his opinion whether she should do it or not. Shin is very suspicious. He tells her that, look, you have directed in the past, but you're primarily known as an actress. Why does someone who you don't know want you to direct? But Choi believes that this is just Shin's jealousy, his envy at not getting an opportunity to direct himself. She disregards his opinions and flies to Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, she meets the producer. His name is Wang Dong Il. She meets him and she has several discussions about the movie. And as they go around Hong Kong, she starts noticing something very, very odd. She starts noticing that there are two men. They are Chinese men who are constantly taking photographs of her. Now she notices this, but she's a superstar. Of course, there will be people who will take photographs. And so she doesn't think too much of it. Pretty soon, Wang tells her that they have to meet a business associate and he drives her to a place called Repulse Bay. This is a bay area with uh, a pier that leads into the water. He tells her that they have to get into a boat and ride 10 minutes to meet this business associate. She's at Repulse Bay next to the water and again, this uneasiness starts bubbling up. Something doesn't feel right. As she looks around the bay, she sees that there is this motorboat that's parked nearby and there are four men in it. They look extremely shady. 
as she spots them one of the men turns to another nods and then before she can think or do anything the four men have leapt out of the boat grabbed her sedated her put her in the motor boat and they drive off she wakes up on a freighter she's kept in this one hold and a doctor comes in repeatedly checks her but she's not told what's happening to her they sail for several days and then this giant freighter comes to a stop she's then put into a smaller boat which takes her to shore now when she gets to shore there is a man waiting to receive her he's a short man in his mid 30s he's got his hair slicked back and he says this he says thank you madam choi you must be tired after the journey i am kim jong il and that's when she realizes that she has been abducted by north korea she's taken from the pier to a villa and when she enters this villa she sees that it's the most luxurious villa that anyone can ever hope for it has all the amenities and the features of a luxurious villa but when she looks out the window she sees that there is this high wall and it has barbed wires and there are armed guards outside she realizes that she is not in a luxury villa she is actually in a prison she would be kept there for a very long time and she would never be explained why she had been brought there every day for about 9 months kim jong il would check on her he would send her gifts but the reason for her abduction always remained elusive and in this manner not just months but years go by in these years she would be kept hostage in the same place and she would be reeducated what this meant was that she would be taught about north korea and would be indoctrinated into the communism that was practiced in north korea it would be five long years that she would spend in this rigorous restrictive routine and then one day she is told to get ready in her finest clothes because she is going to a party throughout her stay she had been called to several important parties that were thrown by kim jong il in these parties there would always be the highest of the officials of north korea the highest members of the politburo and she would be made to stand there and made to feel like some kind of trophy so she wasn't surprised that she was invited for another one of these parties what threw her off though was the kind of excitement and reverence that this particular party had that they were insisting so heavily that she dress up in her finest because she was going to meet a very important guest she gets ready and she goes to this party at this party eventually she is introduced to the guest the party goes part and she sees across this room there is this tall gaunt emaciated tired harrowed looking man and soon she recognizes him it's shin sang ok she can't believe it after 5 years 
she's seeing her estranged husband. Kim Jong-il is present and he tells her, why don't you hug him? When he gives her this order, she has to do as he says. She embraces Shin. At first, it's awkward, but then slowly, they fall into each other's arms. Although it has been a long time and both of them have been clearly through a lot, the comfort eventually returns. Here's the more telling thing about this particular party. The date of this party was March 6th, 1983. If they had not gotten divorced, this day would be their 29th wedding anniversary. When the party ends, the two of them are given the freedom to go back to the villa together. When they go to the villa, they have so many questions for each other. They both want to ask so many things of each other. And so what they do is they head to the bathroom and they switch on the tap because they hope that the running water will obscure their conversations in case there is a listening device in this villa. As the water is running, so is the conversation. And Choi tells her side of the story. And then she asks Shin what happened to him. And that's when he tells her his side. Soon after her disappearance, Shin had been extremely worried. He had made several inquiries. He had flown to Hong Kong, met several people. And he had gotten a sense that something had gone horribly wrong. He had also found out that some of the people that she had met, they had connections to North Korea. But that's where the trail ended. There was nothing else that he could do. There was nowhere else that he could go. No way to get to her. Eventually, he had found himself back in Hong Kong on a completely unrelated work matter. And that's where he had been abducted. He had been abducted, put on the same freighter that she had been put on and kept in the same hold. He was brought to North Korea and brought to another villa. This villa too was extremely luxurious and they had laid out his favorite food on the table. There were clothes in the villa that were made to perfection to fit him. There was an incredible amount of detail and planning that had clearly gone into this abduction. But just like Choi, he wasn't told why he had been brought there. Unlike Choi, when Shin is brought to the villa, he has only one thought. And that thought was, how do I escape? He constantly plotted his escape and eventually he did it. He escaped not once, but twice. And both times he was caught. When he was caught, he was punished for trying to escape. He was sent to a prison. This prison was called prison number six and conditions there were horrible. He was made to sit in a torture position. The torture position was where the prisoners sat cross-legged and they had to put their hands on their knees. They couldn't fully raise their heads and they had to sit motionless for 16 or 17 hours of the day. If you fell asleep, the guards would beat you because they reasoned that you had to stay awake so that you could repent. As he is in prison number six, he also has a realization. And the realization is this. Though they are being extremely harsh with him, they have still not killed him. He sees that there are other prisoners alongside him 
who do not get this kind of leeway. He realizes that whatever is going on, his life is at least assured because there is some plan behind it. He decides that his best chance of survival is to kind of give in and to understand where all of this was headed. And so he begins to do just that. He apologizes for his behavior and he says, how do I repent? He is made to write several letters to Kim Jong-il and Kim Jong-il's father, Kim Il-sung. He writes these letters, says that he is repentant for his actions, that he was wrong in trying to escape and now he is seeing the light. Soon his re-education begins. He starts learning about North Korea, their culture, the communism that is practiced there and eventually he is told that he is going to be released. Two weeks after that, he is told to get ready for a party. This was the same party where he met Choi. He had spent almost five years in captivity in some of the worst conditions that a person could possibly go through. And now here he was in this bathroom narrating all of this, just pouring it all out in front of his estranged wife. The two of them hug and they tell each other this. They say that we have spent our life directing and enacting other people. Now it's time to direct and enact our life so that we get out of this situation. They make a vow that whatever happens, the two of them will try to escape. It's at this point that I want you to meet the villains. To meet the villains, we first have to understand a little bit about the history of North Korea. It's very difficult to imagine this today, but there was a time and there was a long time where Korea was one unified nation. They had been a sovereign nation for several hundreds of years until 1910. In 1910, they were annexed by Japan and they were held as a territory of Japan until World War II. In World War II, Japan sides with the Axis powers and eventually they are defeated by the Allies. And when they are defeated, they are driven out of Korea too. When this happens, there is a vacuum and this is quickly filled by the USSR and the US. The USSR occupies the northern part of Korea and the US occupies the southern part. The idea was that this was going to be a temporary solution. Eventually, they would figure a way to unify both the sides. However, this became a permanent solution in 1950 when North Korea decides to invade South Korea. When this happens, they were cleanly divided at the 38th latitude. And when the invasion happens and the Korean War breaks out, the damage is irreparable. The two sides are now locked into a forever battle. There is a demilitarized zone or the DMZ that's created between two countries as a buffer and the two countries go their separate ways. The Soviets elect Kim Il-sung, a rebel fighter who had been fighting against the Japanese too, as the president of North Korea, whereas the South Koreans go a different route. What happens is that eventually Kim Il-sung would start deviating from the Soviet Union and become a dictator. 
a full blown true blue dictator and he would have a son his son was kim jong il the primary villain of our story at the time when our story takes place kim il sung was still alive still the president of north korea but his son was being groomed to take his position in 1966 kim jong il had become the head of the propaganda and agitation department and he was the director of the motion picture and arts division the reason for this was because kim jong il loved movies he loved them with a passion north korea had eventually become extremely isolated and very restrictive and movies would not be shown in the nation that was for most people Kim Jong Il however had smuggled in all the possible movies that you could smuggle in and had seen them all he used to see a movie almost every day he had a private collection that spanned about 20000 movies he would have a division that was just made for archival and retrieval purposes of these illegitimate movies what that meant was that kim jong il was also the most knowledgeable film person in all of north korea he had written a book on filmmaking and this book would become the gospel in north korea when it came to movie making however as time went by he made a lot of movies but he was disappointed by all of them because these movies were all ideological in nature these were very shallow movies that always harped about the greatness of the leader and the greatness of north korea versus any other country in the world he also complained that all the workers who worked in these movies didn't work hard enough he said this was because the state would provide for them regardless of how they performed so he was extremely unhappy with the situation and he decides to correct this by kidnapping the best director and the best actress from south korea now he lays this plan out to them he says that i have got you here and i will give you all the resources you want in return i want to see north korea become a leading light when it comes to motion pictures i want you to make award winning critically acclaimed internationally recognized films he wants to compete with japan and some of the other powers that were making amazing movies and so this responsibility falls to two unwilling people shin and choi when they hear this they are taken aback but they realize that they must do as he says if they are to get a chance to get out so here's what would happen over the next 3 years the two of them would go on to make seven films in north korea and as they made these movies they began to realize several different things the first thing that shin realized was that he was very grateful to be behind a camera again to be making movies again as much as he hated it as much as he hated admitting it kim jong il was possibly the greatest producer a director could hope for because with kim jong il they just had to ask for something and he would give it to them 
when they asked for snow for a particular sequence kim jong il flew down a helicopter to the top of a mountain scooped up fresh snow and brought it back to the film set when they needed extras for a scene kim jong il brought a division of the army and made them act in the movie they asked kim jong il on a whim whether they could get a train to blow up for a particular sequence in a movie and kim jong il provided exactly that a train arrives loaded with explosives and shin is told that he has only one shot to get it right this was more than shin was ever expecting and he gets this unbelievable shot another thing that they were eventually able to negotiate with kim was this they said that if you want these great internationally recognizable movies you need to give us some leeway when it comes to storytelling and so kim agreed and these films were a little different from the ones that were produced in north korea before these didn't have that stringent ideological bent to them they were fresher more free stories in fact they would produce the first love story and was shown in north korea the seven movies that shin and choi would end up making would be a diverse set of films that told different engaging and entertaining stories these were stories that hadn't been seen in north korea before sure there were a few ideological movies but they also made love stories and action movies and everything in between these were stories that the people of north korea were thirsting for these weren't just bland state sponsored movies these were freer fresher more entertaining stories stories that people thronged the cinemas to see and this was one of the other things that kept shin and choi going they would later reveal that as they went through north korea they saw the conditions in which people lived and they felt that by making these movies they were adding a little bit of joy to the otherwise dour lives that the people of north korea had to go through the seventh film that they would make would be pulgasari pulgasari was a movie that kim really wanted to make after he saw the japanese hit film godzilla he realized that he wanted to make something similar to this and he goes to shin and choi and he tells them his idea and they begin work on it so they make a communist godzilla and to do this they had to get in the people who had worked on the actual godzilla so again the crew that had worked on godzilla were told that there is a movie that is being made in china and they are requested to be a part of it when they decide to go to this place they are diverted to north korea so even this crew has been abducted to make this movie the movie is made and it comes out in 1985 and it is a monster hit the pun is intentional so the movie is such a big hit that people who would defect from north korea would later remember this particular movie because they would say that people were so desperate to see it that there were stampedes in the cinema halls that's how much euphoria was there around this movie when kim sees the movie he is absolutely floored he says this is exactly the movie that i wanted to be made now at this point they have spent 8 years in north korea three of them they have made movies in and 
एट लॉन्ग लास्ट दे बिलीव दैट किम फुल्ली ट्रस्ट दैम आफ्टर पुलगा सारी द नेक्स्ट मूवी दैट दे आर गोइंग टू वर्क ऑन इज अ बायोपिक ऑफ गेंगिस खान किम रियली एडमायर्स गेंगिस खान बिकॉज आई गैस इट टेक्स अ टायरेंट टू नो वन एंड एज ही प्रपोजेज दिस आइडिया शिन टू इज एक्साइटेड बाई इट बिकॉज ही सीन सेवरल ऑफ द बायोपिक्स ऑन गेंगिस खान एंड ही नोज दैट नन ऑफ दैम कुड ट्रूली कैप्चर द सोल ऑफ दैट ग्रेट मैन एंड सो ही डिसाइड्स दैट ही इज गोइंग टू गो ऑल इन इन टू मेकिंग दिस मूवी इट्स एट दिस पॉइंट दैट किम टेल्स दैम देर इज अ प्रॉब्लम नॉर्थ कोरिया इज बैंक दे हैव नो मनी नो मनी टू फीड द पीपल एंड सो definitely no money to make expensive biopics on genghis khan instead he orders shin and choi to head to vienna and try to woo some producers who could get on board now this was done obviously to a make the movie but hopefully to also make the movie make money which would help north korea so the two of them are then sent to vienna and they are sent with some of north korea's most elite bodyguards because vienna is not part of the iron curtain it's beyond it shin and choi can sense an opportunity to maybe try to make a break for it but they see that they are constantly surrounded by these bodyguards they get to vienna in 1986 and they stay at the intercontinental hotel Now at this hotel they are able to convince a person who works there to call the US embassy and tell them that two people might get there soon enough and they need help. After this is done they call up a friend. This friend is a Japanese reporter. His name is Akira Enoki. They tell him to come down to the Intercontinental for an interview. They relay this information back to North Korea saying that they're going to be doing an interview with a Japanese journalist and they would like to do this interview alone with this journalist and they reason that if there are bodyguards in the room then it won't look like the two of them have come to Vienna and are working with North Korea of their own free will it look like they're being coerced strangely and fortunately for them this reasoning is bought by their handlers in North Korea and the bodyguards are told to back off now on the day of the interview akira enoki arrives at the intercontinental in a taxi he gets out of the taxi and he sees that choi and shin are waiting for him outside the intercontinental just a little distance away are standing the bodyguards keeping a close eye on the pair now as akira exits the taxi and is making his greetings to the two of them shin pushes him back into the cab and he gets in alongside choi and tells the driver to drive the taxi speeds away from the intercontinental the bodyguards have seen what has happened they have rushed to the spot flagged down another taxi a white taxi gotten into it and are in pursuit of the taxi in which shin choi and enoki are sitting in the taxi Shin is quickly and furiously telling Akira Enoki everything that's happened. He says that look we've been held hostage by North Korea and we need to get out. You need to help us drive us to the embassy. Now as they're driving they get one piece of luck. Here's what happens. Their taxi gets through an intersection just as the light 
turns red. The traffic light turns red and the bodyguards are left behind in the traffic. Now, as the car is going ahead, before anything else can happen, the radio in the taxi blares to life. The taxi company is asking their taxi where they're headed because their convoy needs this information to follow them. Before Shin can react, Akira Enoki pulls out a handful of cash thrusts it in the Austrian driver's face and says, please give the wrong address. The driver takes the money, gives a wrong direction. And as he does this, they tell him to drive to the US embassy. The car starts driving to the embassy and they're frantically looking around because at any moment they feel that this white taxi will suddenly appear. They start getting close to the embassy and as they take the last turn, to get to the US Embassy, their luck turns for the worse. Because on this last street, there is intense traffic. Cars are parked bumper to bumper. There is no way that they're going to get there in time. So here's what Shin does. He turns to Akira and he tells them, just keep an eye on us. And Without saying goodbye, he flings open his side of the door. Choi flings open her side. And the two of them get out of the car and start sprinting toward the US embassy. This distance was about 50 yards, but it feels like forever. They run and they run and they run. And finally, they get to the embassy gates. And they constantly have this feeling that at this point, at any point, the bodyguards are going to leap out and stop them but they're able to get through. They enter the embassy, they tell the receptionist who they are, and then they see the doors shut behind them. They will fully not relax until they are finally taken out of the country and taken to the United States of America. In the US, they are held and they're interrogated by the CIA because they have incredible information. They have been very close to Kim Jong-il for a very long time. They disclose all this information in exchange for immunity. They would eventually be let off by the CIA and given a chance to live in America. They would return to making films and eventually find their way back to South Korea too. And at the end of this story, there is classic happy ending. Shin and Choi were two people who had been through a lot and had eventually reached a point where they were going their separate ways. But little did they know that fate had something completely different planned for them. They would eventually be brought together and go through a whole lot more before they realized just how lucky they were to have each other. They would end up remarrying and would stay married until Shin's death. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please leave a like and a comment. If there are other stories like this one that you'd like me to cover, then also leave them in the comment section below. As usual, every single episode of Second End Stories is shot in front of a live audience. All of these people have been abducted for this exact recording. If you too would like to be abducted for these sessions, all you have to do is become a member of the channel. That's it from this episode. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.